0: Welcome to Screen Cleaning. My name is Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. This is Screen Cleaning. It still is. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty sure. (laughs) Good. Good. That wasn't a question. I was just introducing the show. Oh, okay. Unless you changed the show since last episode. No. Okay, good. Well. Each and every week we like to give you the very best in entertainment news, we do reviews, we talk about entertainment-related things, and boy, is there a lot to talk about on the show today. And again, that was not a question, it was a statement.
1: There is. There There always is. is.
0: There is. so much to talk about. But let's start off with some of the things that you can do this weekend for entertainment, right? So, if you don't feel like seeing some of the new releases, we've got a few of them, including Annabelle Comes Home and Yesterday. Now, Annabelle Comes Home is what number film in the Conjuring seventh. universe? It seventh. Is the seventh movie in the Conjuring universe, including Conjuring 1 and 2, Annabelle
1: and Annabelle Creation, The Nun, and The Curse of La Llorona.
0: Dun, 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 La Yo So we have almost the same number of Annabelle movies as we do Toy Story movies. They're just cranking them out. Cole, Toy Story better catch up. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna fall behind. They got to stop this once every nine years business. I do think there will be another Toy Story, by the way. My least favorite part, by the way, we didn't get to talk about this last
1: week, but I've seen Toy Story since then. And they start off with nine years later. And I've always talked about how Toy Story was so cool for pacing their movies to match real life. Like when the first one came out, Andy was a certain age and then he's grown up since. Yeah, And it's been nine years since the last one. So they start off, they say, nine years ago. But really, this one takes place just like a couple months after Toy Story 3. That nine you, years is just a its a red herring. It's
0: just to give you some context and bring you up to speed, right? I guess. So there's Annabelle. You could see Yesterday, and we will be talking about Yesterday later on in the program, even though neither Cole nor I have actually seen the film. Uh, I would like to, for sure. Um, or... If you are one of the few people that has not seen Avengers Endgame, you may want to go check it out this weekend. Why is that, Cole? Because it's going to be slightly different. Okay. Before Endgame could even get out of
1: theaters for the first time, there's a re-release of Avengers Endgame, including new content for this weekend and this weekend only. So like a director's cut? No, because the oh. movie itself has not changed whatsoever. There will hmm. be a little thing before. Director Anthony Russo will kind of give a little bit of a preview for it. There will be—it's uh, rumored to have some kind of a tribute, possibly to Stan Lee. There will be extra Robert Downey Jr. stuff. There will be a sneak preview for the Marvel movie that is coming out next week.
0: So I don't know how to feel about this, Cole, because this movie is two months old by now, right? Do you think it's worth $10 or in some places up to $14 or $15 to see this movie? Again, For the people that are already going
1: to see it a second and a third time, this is a cool excuse to go see it for maybe the fourth time.
0: Well, and then even the sneak peek of Spider-Man, if I'm just patient and wait a couple of days, I can just see the whole movie in theaters, right? But this is to
1: get—so, I mean, I really
0: do think this is a cool—despite being an
1: obvious money grab and trying to, to climb that box office that we love talking about here to get closer and closer to Avatar or to star wars here domestically um it's a cool timing thing because it is weird that marvel is releasing all these movies really close together so endgame isn't even out of theaters and we have spider-man coming up on us but uh, you know to drive the hype back and to remind us that spider-man is coming and the mcu isn't over just because endgame ended a certain phase
0: they're driving hype back. And this is obviously not the first iteration of Spider-Man that we've had. We've already had several, but we want to talk now about a trailer that has come out that is also not the first iteration of a certain franchise. In this case, we're talking about Charlie's Angels. I, I was in high school when those first movies came, or at least when the first one came out, with Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu, and, the and first I watched was... the TV show on TV Land yeah. growing up. So maybe you can help explain something. On the well, TV show, <laughs> were there several different Bosley characters? I don't remember. Okay, because in this new trailer, we have at least three different Bosleys, Ooh. one of which is played by Patrick Stewart. Yes. Not a stranger to franchises. Uh, Jaiman Hinsu, also not a stranger to franchises. And then... The star, writer, producer, and director of the film, Elizabeth Banks, is also one of the Bosleys. Cool. So there must be, Bosley must be kind of like a James Bond where, you know, anybody can kind of step into that role. Or Q
1: or M or anyone else that changes faces during
0: the course of 24 Bond movies. So have you seen the trailer to Charlie's Angels Cole? I've not. It looks You're interesting. You're our trailer guy. It's, it doesn't look as much like a comedy as the previously mentioned Charlie's Angels series was. Well, you
1: got to remember, in that early 2000s era was where we were getting a lot of these TV shows from the 60s and 70s drudged up again, but then kind of made fun of, bewitched, Josie and the Pussycats. Sure. Even Rocky and Bullwinkle kind of got these live-action treatments that no one really liked, but they were they yeah. were there
0: so are you saying we can expect this sort of thing every 15 to 20 years
1: well but unless this version of charlie's angels is going to be more serious in which case it could you know mirror the man from uncle or it,
0: it looks more like a serious action film as opposed to comedy action okay right so you've got uh Kristen stewart who is again no stranger to franchises you've got naomi scott who has hit it big this year with Aladdin. The so, biggest this yeah, year. Yeah, she's going to, so far, and we'll get to that later on. Of the summer. Right. Uh, it looks entertaining. I, I'm sure one of us will see it. And I'm sure it could make a fair amount of money. That's it for trailer news. But we do have some sad news if one of the only reasons for you holding on to your Netflix account is so that you can watch... The Office over and over and over again. Which is more than just a couple people. (laughs) Right. Because The Office is going to be saying bye-bye to Netflix at the end of 2020. So
1: starting in 2021, NBC is moving towards having their own streaming platform because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yes.
0: You know, I am feeling uncool because I'm starting to rack up all these streaming bills. We've got... Well, we don't have Netflix anymore, but we've got Amazon Prime, we've got Hulu, we've got YouTube TV. We, by accident, have a Stars subscription because somebody keeps signing us up for one. By the end of this year, I'm sure you'll have a Disney Plus. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, for more reasons than one.
1: CBS already has CBS All Access. So when you look at the, the major four networks, ABC is in the Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. CBS has their own thing. Fox is now... Also under the Disney umbrella. And then NBC is having their own thing.
0: It's getting ridiculous, Cole, because whereas so many of us were cutting the cord and going with things like YouTube TV and Hulu or even uh, what's the Sling TV TV. Now, these are all starting to add up to the point where we're probably paying just as much, if not more, than we were just for cable,
1: right? It just means that the cable companies finally caught up. I'm surprised it took them this long to try to fight back against all the cord cutters. They need to make their money so we can get this good content.
0: Yeah. I I guess one thing I don't understand is how these different uh, TV shows and production companies make money with Netflix. Do they get... Do they just get? Is it like a buyout or is it a royalty deal where the certain number of people watch it, they get more and more money? Do you have any idea how that works, Cole? So Netflix is similar to when they would
1: get the television rights. To I mean, it's basically syndication for movies okay. um, where you pay a little bit to be able to run this on your channel. So it costs Netflix a lot of money to be able to say we're the home of The Office. NBC was getting all of that good money coming in, but they've now decided mm. that they can get even more by just charging the subscriptions themselves, cutting out the middleman. As it Yeah.
0: Be. Well, the reason I bring up watching something over and over and over and over again is because uh, speaking of Avengers Endgame that you could go see for the first or second or 20th time, there's 115th time. Well, actually, how about 145 times? There is a man. Let me make sure I get his name right. Augustin Alanis. Has seen, I checked his Twitter account. He's officially seen Avengers Endgame 145 times.
1: 143 times more than I have.
0: Yes. Oh, you've seen it twice then. You betcha. Oh, my goodness. So, just to give you some perspective, somebody did the math and figured out that this is just shy of nine 40 hour work weeks. Also, if you
1: figure on the easy $10 per ticket, that means he's spent $1,450 of the, you know, many billions that Avengers has made.
0: Yeah, and I have read that he has paid out of pocket for this, and he beat the previous record holder of 103 times seeing Infinity War. He's now seen Endgame 145 times and hopes to see it 200 times. Everyone's got goals. Yes. Different from mine. I love the movies. Maybe not that much, but uh, I wish him luck. Sure. I I wish his bladder luck, too. (laughs) I
1: wonder if he's sat in his chair for all three hours every single time.
0: I don't know, but he's seen it. Basically, he goes to uh, the movies on the weekends and sees it about four or five times on Saturday and Sunday.
1: Interesting. So he holds
0: down his day job. Yeah. What I a hope, responsible guy. I hope he's not married. I hope he's not married. But if so, I hope they're going to together. I hope he's still married. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. So do you think there's anybody out there, Cole, that is going to want to Monday night at midnight start a trend by seeing Spider-Man Homecoming or uh, Far From Home the first time and then seeing it 145 times. Anybody going to want to see it that badly, Cole? I kind of hope so because I thought it was an amazing movie. We talked
1: about paying full price this fella every single time he goes to see Endgame. Spider-Man Far From Home has a kind of interesting release date because they want to get ahead of the 4th of July midweek weekend holiday thing that it is this year. It releases officially on July 2nd, which is a Tuesday. And around here, Tuesday is uh, cheap movie day. Yeah. But the studio has mandated. So beware if you think that you're going to get away with seeing it on opening day for a cheaper price. They will not allow cheaper movie pricing The studio that the movies do. The studios won't allow that for the opening day of Spider-Man Far From Home.
0: Sony, how could you do this to us?
1: They want to make sure that their box office numbers are accurate to the opening because that opening can kind of set the trend. If it looks like their opening is low just because the theater was full of people paying half price, then maybe it will cause a false narrative that it's not a good movie. Because it is a great
0: movie. So it is worth the full 10 to $15.
1: I think so. I think it's one of the better MCU movies. I think it's slightly better even than Homecoming, which was one of my previously favorite MCU movies. Whoa. I should disclaim that I am a Spider-Man fan. Um, in all things, I love the character so much, and Tom Holland has been my favorite iteration of the character. I think he does his best work in this one because this puts him in a true Spider-Man kind of a story where he's very conflicted between his personal life and his heroing life because, I mean, in case you didn't notice, Endgame kind of changed the hero game, and there's a, a hole or holes to be filled in the Avengers team mm. that people are looking to Spider-Man to maybe try to fill not knowing that it's just this 16-year-old kid from Queens that's just trying to go on a summer vacation with the girl that he likes. Okay. And then he kind of gets an out by befriending this heroic-seeming guy with the really trustworthy moniker of Mysterio, played by the always charming Jake Gyllenhaal. Spider-Man gets really conflicted about who he is. Is he Spider-Man? Is he Peter Parker? And what does
0: it truly mean to be a hero? So is it worth going to see it Monday night at midnight? I would. I you might. Would. I've already seen it. I might go again. Uh, now you've got me tempted, Cole. I'm leaving on a family reunion the very next morning. Ooh, Do I dare do it? Hmm. You should. I could think of several people crazy enough to do it with me. Um, It'll be a long week
1: and, and what other better way to spend your 4th of July, right?
0: Okay. Interesting. So, several options this weekend. Spider-Man, Far From Home, Avengers Endgame for the 145th time. You could go see Annabelle Comes Home, or what is it? Annabelle? Yeah, I think it is Annabelle Comes Home. A lot of home movies this weekend, and of course, Yesterday, the film that we will bring up later on in our program. But, Cole, I understand we want to keep this marvel superhero maybe even dc universe conversation going a little bit tom holland is the third different guy
1: to play spider-man in a live action movie and we want to take a look at some of these other people some of these other actors and actresses that have played multiple different heroes on both sides of that comic book aisle that's up next here on screen cleaning That is the haunting but so beautiful theme from Spider-Man 2, one of my favorite superhero movies starring not Tom Holland but Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and as one of the villains in those Spider-Man movies, Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin who would later crop up in a DC movie as a good guy in Aquaman. The Marvel movies have been mostly known for their great continuity, all the different Spider-Mans excluded, and especially in the MCU, since Kevin Feige has taken over as the the head producer for the project. But one observant fan did point out to him that Martin Starr, one of the stars of the most recent Spider-Man movie Far From Home, and he was also in Homecoming as well, also acted in an earlier MCU movie, The Incredible Hulk, starring, of course, Ed Norton, Not Mark Ruffalo. Did he really? He was just a a little intern that worked uh, as a computer scientist guy. Um, And they pointed out like that this seems to be an incontinuity in Mm. Marvel's precious universe. And Kevin Feige said, no, I think that they're the same guy. Really? So it is now Seems like a sort of canon me. that this random computer programmer that was a friend of Dr. Banner's <laughs> is now a high school science teacher in Queens.
0: Yeah. And they'd also have to explain why there's a character in – Three different Thor movies that are played by three different actors.
1: Bruce Banner himself was played by a different actor after that titular The Incredible Hulk.
0: That's true. And this is not, I mean, this is not unique to Marvel movies. DC has had to do it out of necessity as well.
1: Batman has various different voices and faces to his name over the years.
0: Right. And, you know, uh, Kate. Uh, Katie Holmes played Rachel Dawes in Batman Begins and then was replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal. We already talked about Jake Gyllenhaal in the sequel, The Dark Knight. But why are we talking about this, Cole?
1: As we look across the many different actors that just in the course of their business played different superheroes, we got to thinking about the many, many actors that have even played for both teams, played for the DC and Marvel. Cinematic Universes.
0: And I think before we started doing some research Cole, I think you and I could name a few that have been in both Marvel and DC movies. There are a ton. We There are a staggering number of them. And we're not even I mean, we could get into the character actors, people that nobody have ever heard of that have been in both types of movies. But we don't want to focus on the heroes
1: playing the main characters and let's start off with Batman, who's had many different faces. His most recent one, was Ben Affleck, who himself played
0: Daredevil in 2003's Daredevil. I forgot all about that. I think a lot of people would like to forget all about that.
1: The Netflix series was considerably better, but (laughs) Daredevil was a movie that came out before Marvel kind of had all their ducks in a row, played by Ben Affleck.
0: My goodness. Well, which role do you think he played better? Uh, Batman. (laughs) Are you sure? Batman by a lot. (laughs) Okay.
1: And then... Batman over the years has, has, me- has had many people as his sidekicks, friends, frenemies even. One of them was Michelle Pfeiffer back when Michael Keaton was Batman. Uh, by the way, Michael Keaton himself having been Batman and also the Vulture in a Spider-Man movie. That's true. But Catwoman in Batman Returns was Michelle Pfeiffer who would later go on to be the original The Wasp Janet Van Dyne in 2018's Ant-Man and the Wasp, a Marvel movie.
0: Man, I'm sensing a pattern of these good guys going bad or these bad guys going good. Ooh. Interesting. Then let's keep the train going with (laughs)
1: Batman villains then when Tom Hardy took the role of Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. He later went on to be the hero, maybe anti-hero, of Venom.
0: I feel like for a while, you know how everybody kind of has an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. I feel like for a while, everybody had a Bane impression. You know where they're putting their hand over the mouth. Does that mouth mean and, you're going to give us yours? I don't really have one, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was born in the dark. You know, uh, people do better impressions than I, like I do it. with Tom Hardy. But uh, basically, yeah, that's interesting. So he goes from. A bad guy in The Dark Knight Rises to a semi-bad guy slash good guy. Is he bad or good? I mean, he was the good guy in Venom. In Venom sequels,
1: he might end up being the bad guy. Yeah. We don't know. Venom's an antihero of himself. Even the Batman movies that were supposed to be within the same continuity, you mentioned before Batman's love interest in the Chris Nolan movies, Changing Faces, um, Two Face had two different faces Mm. back when Billy D. Williams and then Tommy Lee Jones Uh, both did it. Tommy Lee Jones would later go on to be in Captain America the First Avenger, a Marvel movie.
0: Interesting.
1: Also, if you include Men in Black as a comic book movie, which there are comics of Men in Black, I think we should. Tommy Lee Jones, of course, the star next yeah. to Will Smith of those.
0: Well, let's not forget about another Dark Knight Rises villain that shows up later on as a spoiler alert good guy. I'm talking about Ben Mendelsohn, who is pretty much always a bad guy in every movie that he is in. Except. Except a movie that you think he's the bad guy, but then, oh, <gasps> Big twist in the middle of the film. He's actually the, the comic relief. The comic relief, <laughs> and I loved it. Cole, not so much, but he was my favorite part of Captain Marvel. An MCU movie. As the uh, scroll. He's a scroll who's just misunderstood. If people would just talk about these things and didn't have these miscommunication issues, then everything would be all better. Right, Cole? I think so. There's one more <laughs>
1: Dark Knight villain that okay. has made an appearance in a different comic book.
0: Not Marvel per se, but Michael Jai White. Remind mm. us who he was in The Dark Knight. Michael Jai White played a character by the name of Gamble. And uh, he. One of the crime bosses. He shows up in a couple of very iconic scenes in The Dark Knight, some very unforgettable scenes. And then uh, if you flash forward back to the late 90s, I believe. He was in a movie called Spawn.
1: And he was Spawn. Michael Jai White is an African-American actor. And Spawn came out a year before Blade, making him the very first black-led superhero. Black Panther got a lot of credit, and credit is due for that movie being great. But 1997 was when we saw our first ever black-led superhero movie when Michael Jai White was Spawn. Now there's supposed to be another Spawn movie coming out. Really? That will have Jamie Foxx. And oh. Jeremy Renner, of, of course, MCU fame, as Hawkeye.
0: Interesting. Man, all these people like to to uh, take a dip in the comic book pool from time to time. Yeah. Doesn't matter who it
1: is. And as Spawn long as is paid. kind of a third party, right? Spawn yeah. is um, Image Comics. Okay. It's the third biggest comic book company. Dark Horse is kind of another one of those. It's fifth that people recognize. And Hellboy... Has been one of Dark Horse's best heroes. And
0: I think I know where you're going with this one.
1: There are a few folks that have been in Hellboy, as a, and in addition to a few others.
0: Okay. I want to say Doug Jones is one of them. Ah, yes.
1: Doug Jones, we may not always recognize his face because he's a prosthetics master, but his visual kind of acting is always fantastic
0: anytime you need some strange or unusual creature to be in your movie but you need him to be rail thin and maybe even a little tall you want to go with doug jones right so
1: that has happened in batman returns men in black fantastic four two rise of the silver surfer where he was the silver surfer mm. and also one of jeff's favorite comic book movies ever mystery men
0: yes he was pencil head and he had a, a spawn of Pencilhead and uh, oh boy, if you haven't seen Mystery Men, it, that is a totally different comic book altogether. Mm-hmm. want to say it's like Flaming Carrot or something like that. Some One weird of the name. goofy ones. Yeah.
1: Going back to mentioning Hellboy and even Blade, Blade is a Marvel comic. And Ron Perlman, a frequent collaborator of Guillermo del Toro, was in the Guillermo del Toro-directed Blade 2, in addition to being Hellboy in the Hellboy movies.
0: Man. Okay. Anybody else that that, uh, we discovered has dipped their feet in both pools?
1: More recently, we mentioned... When Michelle Pfeiffer was in Ant-Man 2, mm-hmm. she also was joined there by Lawrence Fishburne, who has been in the Batman vs. Superman and Superman movies as Perry White. Oh,
0: yes.
1: Oh, my goodness. And in an even earlier Superman movie, Superman Returns, a kind of one-off back in 2006, Perry White's nephew, and uh, Lois Lane's kind of love interest in that movie, was played by James Marsden, whom we all know more as Cyclops in those first few X-Men movies. Uh, The Superman, even, in that Superman movie was played by Brandon Routh, who's now found a home on television in DC's Legend of Tomorrow, playing the Atom, a kind of shrinking superhero akin to Marvel's Ant-Man.
0: Now, how about J.K. Simmons? Think back to one of the first iterations of Spider-Man that we've had, the Tobey Maguire-starring Spider-Man series that Sam Raimi put together for us. Uh, He was a character in those films as well, right? He was the the head of the the newspaper outlet. The Daily Bugle. Yes. He is J. Jonah Jameson. Jane J. Jonah Jameson. That is a tongue twister right there. That's a newspaper name. So a big role in those films, but and even kind of a, a media role in some of the, the other DC films, right? Well,
1: unfortunately, he was supposed to have a large role in Justice League, but it was cut for time no. and, and many other things. He's Commissioner Gordon, though, in just a few deleted scenes of that. His voice, though, is the voice of General Eiling in the DC animated universe when Justice League Unlimited
0: came out. And you can hear his voice pretty much everywhere. He's in the uh, Farmer's Insurance commercials. I just found out recently he voices the yellow peanut M&M on the M&M's commercials. Mm -hmm. And I've heard his voice from time to time on Gravity Falls on Disney. My goodness.
1: Another voice you might hear in a lot of different comic book television adaptations is that of Clancy Brown.
0: Mm. He
1: has been uh, Taskmaster, Lex Luthor, the Rhino, Uncle Ben in Spider-Man, Uatu the Watcher, Red Hulk. Those are all in animated shows. But his voice can also be heard in the Green Lantern movie as the main villain, Parallax. His voice can be heard in Thor 3, Thor Ragnarok, as that first Kind of devil creature where Thor is kind of twirling around named Surtur. Yeah. Um, Also, speaking of General Eiling played by J.K. Simmons, Clancy Brown has a turn as General Eiling in the live action Flash TV show. He also plays a colonel in the live action Daredevil TV show. So. DC and Marvel both.
0: Clancy Brown is not like your A-list movie star or anything like that. What are some things that he's been in that people might recognize his face? Well,
1: his face was in the Shawshank Redemption, but if you don't recognize the voice from any of those superheroes, maybe you recognize the voice from SpongeBob. He's Mr. Krabs. (gasps) Really? So, oh my gosh, yeah, he is really big into voiceover. I didn't know that. He was, so I mentioned he was the bad guy in Green Lantern. The good guy in Green Lantern? Uh, Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, played by Ryan Reynolds, has also been in a few Marvel movies, namely the Deadpool movies, and of course, uh, more infamously, X-Men Origins Wolverine, playing a different version of Deadpool.
0: So these are some big people that have played big roles in both DC and MCU movies.
1: And joining Ryan Reynolds in DC's Green Lantern was the voice of Michael Clark Duncan. He was playing a different Green Lantern from a different planet, Kilowog, who was made entirely of CGI. And so we just heard Michael Clark Duncan's voice playing a good guy in a DC movie. Before that, he had played a bad guy in Marvel's Daredevil, the one with Ben Affleck that we started this conversation with. See, everything just comes full circle here on Screen
0: Cleaning. So I think what we've proven here today, Cole, is that. There doesn't seem to be much loyalty one way or the other. I think as long as it's a good paycheck, who cares if it's a DC or an MCU movie, right? Cole, if you could play any character in either a DC movie or a Marvel movie, who do you think it would be? Spider-Man. Really? Oh, you were quick with that one. Spider-Man is my favorite. Mm, I'd probably want to be Batman. That's okay. I could give them my own Wait, what do you mean that's Okay.
1: I just mean that some people are Marvel guys
0: and other people are DC guys. Batman is the greatest comic book character. My favorite superhero is Batman. But that's a whole different discussion for a whole different day. Uh, maybe that was yesterday's discussion. huh? See what I did there? Because Ooh. today, when we come back, we're going to be talking more about, not the movie Yesterday, but the theme of Yesterday, and what Cole and I would do if we could step in the shoes of the protagonist of this film. That's up next here on Screen Cleaning. Great guitar requires a great song. Yesterday Cole, I believe in Yesterday. I believe that Yesterday will be an enjoyable film when I take my my wife to see
1: it. I believe, too. I can't wait for this movie because it's such an original concept, right?
0: Well, yeah. You've seen kind of similar themes in other movies. Like I remember a movie with Ricky Gervais called The Invention of Lying where uh, he's in this universe where people don't know what lying is. And so he kind of stumbles upon the first lie ever told. And so he uses that to his advantage. And just like this character in this film... Uses the fact that there he's existing in this universe where the Beatles don't exist, but he's the only one that knows about them. Yeah,
1: it kind of happens one morning where he wakes up and realizes he's the only one that remembers the Beatles.
0: Well, I believe he gets in a bike accident and there's like this blackout in all of England. And uh, yeah, he wakes up in a hospital bed and he's the only one that knows about him. But
1: he's a musician, and so, of course,
0: he's studied. and Struggling musician. uh, That's to say it lightly. Playing at kids' birthday parties. Right, right.
1: But as any musician does, he's very familiar with the Beatles, familiar enough to be able to recreate some of their stuff to, you know, the ongoing fame and fortune that he receives. So, Jeff, that raises the question for me. Is there anything you're familiar enough to be able to recreate in front of a bunch of people that had never seen it before?
0: Cole, I think this is such a genius topic to discuss here on the show today. And there are certainly things that I know well enough that I would probably want to monetize, you know, cash in on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. The only music that I really know well enough (laughs) to make money off of, if I were to use the same concept would be the music of Weird Al Yankovic. I grew up listening to every album, every song he did. I would memorize them. I was in a Boy Scout troop where I convinced the other scouts to call the troop uh, "We're the Weird Owls." So <laughs> we were the we were the Weird Owls, and I even went and saw him in concert a couple times at the Orange County Fair. So, definitely, I would cash in on Weird Al's fame and fortune. And, you know, he's certainly not as wealthy as the Beatles, but... He's wealthier than you and me.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Jeff, that's a genius choice because all you have to do is remember the lyrics, which anyone that sings along can because you can go back and figure out the music based on the songs that he's parodying
0: but you know i don't know that i want to exist in a world where there is no weird al yankovic oh that's true
1: (laughs) i if i had to pick a musical song ed sheeran actually shows up in this movie Mm -hmm, yesterday mm -hmm. and he has a song called wake me up which i really really enjoy i can sing all the words to it and this is different from wake me up Before you go, go. Or Wake Me Up When September Ends or various other songs that start that way. (laughs) But this is a song, that, when you listen to it, the piano is very simple. It uses just one note for a while and then just a couple chords. That's one of the only songs that I can really recreate with my minimal musical abilities.
0: All right. So you'd go Ed Sheeran, I'd go Weird Al Yankovic. What about, like, if you could... If you could cash in on a movie, let's just say it never existed, so you would want to recreate it.
1: Yeah, so we're movie guys, right? So we're a little more familiar with movies than we are music. I wanted to go like Citizen Kane, right? Cuz that's the Beatles of movies. Yeah. And but the only movie that I'm that familiar with is 1985's comedy classic loved by both of us here on Screen Cleaning
0: Clue. <laughs> really? So would you let me ask you this though? This movie was not uh, – it was not well received at the box office when it came didn't out. Didn't make a ton of money, no. And part of that is because of their really confusing marketing campaign where they didn't – it. you don't see it as you do now on home video or DVD where you get to see all three endings. They would just say, go see it and you'll see a different ending, which that – that idea was flawed because what if you go see it twice and you see the same ending?
1: Then you got to go see it a third
0: time. Would you change anything about it, Cole, as you're recreating it for your own personal gain? Nope, because I'm not that smart. I can just remember all the lines <laughs> and I will
1: quote them and write them down and tell new actors to deliver them.
0: Okay, so new actors. That's interesting. Who, like if you had to make it today, for instance, who would be showing up in your version of Clue?
1: So I looked and I have to start with the Tim Curry character and looking back at his IMDb, the only real big thing he had done before this, and I don't know if you could even call that big, was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so he was a relatively unknown guy that has a lot of manic energy that did kind of a horror uh, musical spoof. I, I looked far and wide and I think the guy that can bring a similar energy to a new clue would be Ezra Miller.
0: Wouldn't it be exciting
1: to see him just flailing about the giant mansion?
0: Okay, so for people not familiar with Ezra Miller, who is Ezra Miller? He's been in a
1: small horror movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin. But he also has been in the Harry Potter movies, Fantastic Beasts, as kind of the—his name's Credence.
0: Ah, He's the guy they're looking after.
1: Interesting. But when you watch interviews with him, he has a lot of just frenzied energy. I want him to harness—there's a YouTube video of him talking about his love for Harry Potter, and I want him to harness that in my Clue movie.
0: Interesting. This last weekend, my wife and I decided to watch a trilogy. I tried to convince her to watch the Dark Knight trilogy. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't even do a Christopher Nolan trilogy. Somehow, we ended up doing— A Nicolas Cage trilogy of all the trilogies that we could have picked. And we watched National Treasure so we could watch it with our kids. Mm -hmm. We watched Raising Arizona and Matchstick Men. And when you said Manic Energy, for some reason, the first actor my mind went to is Nicolas Cage. Cage. Could you see Nicolas Cage as Wadsworth in Clue? I think I could. Yeah. He would just make that so bonkers. I think it could work. And it's certainly a role he would take, I would think. Because he takes everything. Right. Including a
1: few uh, superhero things. Going back to our previous conversation, Nick Cage is a guy that was at one time rumored to play Superman and then did in the Teen Titans Go movie. He was uh, Spider-Man noir in Into the Spider-Verse. He was also in the Ghost Rider movies.
0: Everything comes full circle here. Yeah. I love that consolation prize of the voiceover role in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Anyway, my movie that I know well enough that if I could cash in on it, I certainly would. Also from the 80s, also a beloved classic that did not do particularly well when it first came out. We need to think
1: of more successful movies to do this. We need to make some
0: money, Well, also because of a kind of confusing marketing campaign. Is it an adventure movie? Is it a romance? Is it an action movie? The Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. I thought that might be where you went. I can quote probably at least the first half of this film still to this day. And I'm going to say, however, Cole, the leads in this movie still look young enough and still are charming and handsome enough that they could probably still pull it off to this day. I'm talking about Carrie Elwes and, of course, Robin Wright, who back then would have been Robin Wright Penn. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they've aged. They've aged decently, and we're going to see Carrie Elwes here next week. Speaking of Fourth of July, in season three of Stranger Things. Ooh, I can't wait. I keep the music handy because it comes up uh, every yeah. week. But you know that movie is so perfect to me. I don't know that I would want to mess with it. But an interesting thing to, th- to think about: if the Princess Bride didn't exist. I would argue that maybe Carrie Elwis's career would not exist. Mm. Which is sad because he's somebody that, you know, you get excited about excited about whenever you see him. And he is fantastic in this film. So I guess maybe if I couldn't get him, I would go back in time and get uh, Errol Flynn because I think that's the actor that he's kind of uh, modeling in this film.
1: He he modeled him even more when he played Robin Hood, a role that Absolutely. Errol Flynn made famous in Robin Hood Men in Tights.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I want to take this in a – I want to put a little twist on this uh, hypothetical, Cole, because what if you had this ability, you knew that something uh, – existed in some alternate universe, but not in the one that you're currently in. And you wanted to... Kind of like
1: how Mysterio apparently comes from a different universe in the new Spider-Man Far From Home.
0: So let's say you had the power to cash in on it, but you decided, you know what? I disliked this entity so much. I'm just going to pretend like it never existed, even if it meant that I could make millions of dollars from it. Is there some franchise, some entity that you would just let... Uh, not exist I'm going to focus
1: my energy back to Spider-Man because he's my favorite and those middle Spider-Man movies The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 starring Andrew Garfield just caused so much confusion came so quickly after Tobey Maguire and so soon before Tom Tom holland's spider-man that i wish i could just kind of get rid of those they don't they aren't good movies to me Mm. they didn't really help serve anything they just kind of kept the rights in sony's hands for a little bit longer and kept marvel from getting it sooner um that those are the movies that i would probably erase from existence could i
0: is that how it works cole like if you don't really have good enough material but you want to hold on to the rights you just come out with a placeholder film The Fantastic
1: Four fan four stick or whatever that is, the the third Fantastic Four movie we got, also um, followed that model. Interesting. Until Disney got Fox anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh, Disney. Well, you know, I hate to hate on this film because I know a lot of people love it. But it is the cause of so many bad films to follow it. And that makes up an entire production company that I wish just never existed. And it would be Illumination's Despicable Me franchise. We have Despicable Me to blame for all of these really subpar movies that came after it. And a lot of minion memes on the internet. Oh, boy. So, yeah, if I lived in a universe where Despicable Me did not exist, even though It has made billions of dollars. I'm just going to let it lie and do the world a favor and not try to recreate it in any way, shape, or form.
1: And hope that by eliminating Despicable Me that Megamind, which came out the same year, will get the
0: credit it deserves. Yes! Oh my goodness, Cole. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, speaking of making millions and billions of dollars... When we return, Cole and I are going to catch up on our summer movie blockbuster box office report. See who's winning this little wager that we've got going on. And uh, spoiler alert, I don't think either one of us is doing all that well. But that's up next here on Screen Cleaning. A book story. But it's as real as There is our summer movie jam that we rock out to, and uh, every week this summer we're going to be taking a look at the box office to see who is right and who owes somebody a pizza or a popcorn.
1: At the beginning of the summer, Jeff and I uh, predicted which movies we thought would do the best at the domestic box office this summer, and each week we realized that we were more and more
0: wrong. I feel kind of like I'm in an alternate universe right now because things are just not making sense this summer, Cole. But one movie is here to save the summer, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I hope Toy Story 4 is here to save the summer because that's what I currently have at the top of my list. There
1: were reports and predictions going into its first weekend that it could make up to $200 million in an opening weekend and save the summer. Because we're not the only ones kind of lamenting on how poorly some movies are doing and how unpredictable the summer has been.
0: Yeah, but it, it didn't quite get there. It made about $110 million, which is still huge numbers. Especially this summer. That's huge numbers. But boy, it didn't do as well as I needed it to do because I'm kind of worried that the Lion King is going to come up from behind it and, and uh, overtake Pounce. it.
1: Pounce! Very good, Cole, yes. Jeff did predict Toy Story 4 as the biggest movie of the summer, and I predicted The Lion King as the biggest movie of the summer.
0: Neither of us predicted that Aladdin would be doing as well, although this is probably the one bright spot on my top ten list, is that Aladdin is doing so well. You were...
1: Higher on Aladdin than I was, and Aladdin is flying high on a carpet right now at $294 million total gross for this summer, the number one movie so far.
0: So I have it on number five at my list. Where is it on yours, Cole? Number eight. Ooh, I'm sorry, Cole. But there are already a couple of movies that are on our top 10 list that are not going to end the summer on the top 10 list. I'm not feeling too good about Dark Phoenix or Men in Black International. How how well are those doing, Cole?
1: Right now, Dark Phoenix is number eight and Men in Black International is number nine. Neither has cracked even 75
0: million. Oof. And Secret Life of Pets too is not doing what you and I thought it would do.
1: But as kids movies do, maybe the opening weekend isn't what you put all your eggs in the basket okay. for. Kids movies uh, have life throughout the entire summer; they have legs, is what the industry folks call it. Okay, and it's up to 122 million. It is not going to get to where the first one did, and it's probably not going to get up into the top top tier that we both had it. But don't count it out
0: yet. Okay. Well, what else is on the top 10 so far that is either – is there anything doing what we thought it would do, Cole?
1: Uh, Toy Story's going to do fine. I I want to bring it right back around. You think it will overtake Aladdin? I think it's got the possibility. Just like Aladdin has been strengthened by kids going to see it all summer, Toy Story 4 will kind of carry us through the rest of the summer. I think with people going to see – remember the – The Toy Story movie's haven't opened spectacularly. The last one came out in 2010, opened to only 110 million, but by the end of that summer, it had 415 million dollars in its back pocket.
0: And I apologize. I actually think the first weekend of Toy Story 4 was somewhere around one hundred eighty. a 120. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe Aladdin is doing so well because it had the luxury of coming out before all these bigger movies. So it was Aladdin and nothing else until. Toy Story, basically, right? Mm-hmm. And now Toy Story, unfortunately, has Spider-Man to oh, contend
1: no. with this coming weekend. Oh, no. And then Lion King also coming up.
0: And then the Fast and the Furious movie, Hobbs and Shaw. Which isn't
1: exactly the same demographic, going to
0: see it. <laughs> but those movies do extremely well. And I'm sure it'll do even better overseas. Oh, man. So I, I, we might be calling it sixes on this, Cole. You and I might have done just as poorly as the other. Right? Yes, that's that's what the summer seems to be. And
1: I just I want to rest on the fact that Pixar normally comes back. First of all, Toy Story did not have as, as disappointing of an opening weekend as maybe has been reported. And secondly, all of these Pixar movies end up just fine. Incredibles two had an amazing opening weekend, got to six hundred million. Oh Finding gosh. Dory had a similar ish opening weekend to Toy Story four, ended up at four eighty six. And like I said before, Toy Story three ended up above four hundred million as well. Well, so let the summer take its course. Let's not uh, judge it based on just one weekend.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, if uh, if all goes well, Cole. Spider-Man should be making about how much money, and who do you think is more likely to be correct? Because I've got it at number
1: two. You have Spider-Man at number two. I have Spider-Man at number
0: three. Ooh. Okay. So hopefully Spider-Man does well and Lion King does not do so well. For you. Well, Cole, as you know and everyone listening, we like to end each and every show by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them there.
1: Been talking about actors to have appeared in more than one superhero movie over the course of our conversation today, and I want to focus on another voice actor that has made a lot of hay as a superhero, and that mm. uh supervillain, I oh. guess I should say, and that is the incredible Mark Hamill. Yes! Mark Hamill has been famous for his interpretation of the Joker through the years, but did you know, and if you do a little digging you'll find out, that his first appearance as a supervillain was in the live-action Flash TV show of the early 90s as The Trickster? Really? Really? just before he was the Joker in the animated Batman television show. And then when Flash came back here in the 2010s, he had a couple appearances where he reprises his role. In Season 1, Episode 17, called Tricksters, Mark Hamill appears as a veteran trickster that tricks a new generation of, of a trickster.
0: Interesting. I knew you had the strength to fulfill my legacy. Besides... It was in your blood. What do you mean in, in my blood?
1: The real reason I tracked you down and groomed you to be the best you could possibly be, Axel.
0: I am your father. And of course,
1: Mark Hamill, known even more so for being Luke Skywalker in the various Star Wars films, there's him uh, giving a little wink and a nod to his other roles. But he was the trickster and he's the Joker, both DC uh, properties, but a similar kind of cool villain.
0: And if you can't wait to see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, uh, which uh, will come out, the next film will come out in December, and he is in that film, Mm -hmm. then You could, I guess, go to the movie theater right now and hear him in Child's Play. He has another voiceover role as Chucky. We love Mark Hamill here on the program. It is rated R. Uh, If you don't want to see killer dolls, go see dolls that are nice to each other with uh, Toy Story 4. Eh, Mostly.
1: There were a (laughs) lot more creepy dolls than advertised in Toy Story 4, I must say. I was taken aback.
0: Well, clearly there are no shortage of films and even superhero films to see over the Fourth of July, whether it's Avengers Endgame or Spider-Man Far From Home. That's going to do it for this uh, episode of Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every week. You can catch us on BYUradio.org or just look up our podcast wherever podcasts are found and we will give you the very best in entertainment here on Screen Cleaning.